Hello, I'm Donald Johannesson, and thanks for joining me on Speaking Out. Women of the World is a three-day festival celebrating women's achievements, which was created in London and now is to be showcased in Brisbane. There's this fantastic program called Speed Mentoring, so a bit like speed dating, where the speakers um, and people involved with WOW will mentor participants. That's Renee Grace, who will also be talking about the upcoming Cairns Indigenous Art Fair. First, here's some music. Triple J Unearthed Indigenous Competition and Triple J are again on the lookout for the best new Indigenous talent in the country to play at the National Indigenous Music Awards in July in Darwin. Triple J is teaming up with the National Indigenous Music Awards for the fourth year running to give Australia's best independent, unsigned Indigenous artists the chance to play at the NEMAs in 2015. For more information on the Triple J Unearth Indigenous Competition and to be in the running, upload your songs to Unearth by Sunday, July 5 and you can do this at the website at www.triplejunearth.com slash indigenous. One of the songs already entered in this year's competition is a tune by Melbourne-based artist Alice Skye and this is her song, 1966.
That's 1966 by Alice Skye and probably one of the sweetest songs you'll ever hear about a calculator. And when Alice is not in the studio recording music, she is actually a wildlife and conservation biology student at Melbourne's La Trobe University. And the Alice Sky tune 1966 is just one of the entrants in this year's Triple J Unearthed Indigenous Competition. Again, for more information, go to triplejunearthed.com slash indigenous. Hi, I'm Drazana Levitsky-Gray, and I'm the Young Australian of the Year. I'm doing this promotion in Auslan, Australian Sign Language, and it's being interpreted by an Auslan interpreter. As a deaf person, I'm very much committed to advocating for the rights of deaf children to have access to Auslan from birth. Like me, there are many young people who are driven to make a difference. You can recognise their hard work. Go to the website australianoftheyear.org.au and make sure you nominate before the 1st of August. You're listening to Speaking Out on ABC Local Radio, Digital Radio and Radio Australia. I'm Donald Johannesson. Thanks for your company. Women of the World is a three-day festival celebrating women's achievements, which was created in London and now is to be showcased here in Brisbane. The WOW Festival, as it's known, includes panels, conversations, workshops, speed mentoring and even an under-10s feminist corner. To explain more about WOW is Renee Grace, a curator for independent arts management. But first, she explains her background and the upcoming Cairns Indigenous Art Fair. My background is I've been working in the arts for over 20 years very much involved in the development of contemporary art practice, predominantly in Queensland, working with artists that are emerging right through to established artists, providing them with opportunities, whether it's commissions, collections, uh, how they develop their practice and become professional artists. And that's Indigenous and non-Indigenous people as well, artists? Yes, definitely, Indigenous and non-Indigenous. Renee Grace, uh, your role with the Cairns Indigenous Art Fair, what are we going to be seeing? My role is more of an auxiliary uh, role. I've um, assisted or co-curated an exhibition which is featured at... uh, Kick Arts Contemporary Art Space, co-curated with Shannon Brett, an Indigenous artist and curator, and that is entitled Warriors, Sorcerers and Spirits. So my involvement is uh, being the co-curator of that and also assisting uh, Girigan Indigenous Arts Centre with their uh, product launch. What do you look for as a co-curator for Kick Arts? With the exhibition Warriors, Sorcerers and Spirits, one, when I was living up in Cairns, I just found when talking to a lot of the Indigenous artists that these themes were very prominent in their works, more so, again, as I was talking about with um, Central Desert, which is more abstract works. But it's very much seen, and they talk about, like, the crocodile sorcerer from Pompero. Uh, Girigan has a bagu, which is their fire spirit. Which each individual artist creates their own bagu through a ceramic process. So it is something that is more prevalent in their works. There is, I suppose, a quality control, or I might say a, a quality issue that um, that we look for. The works need to be of a standard that can be exhibited in A-class gallery and exhibited amongst a range of artists. So with the exhibition that's uh, for kick arts, there are artists from Brisbane, Bianca Beetson, uh, Carol McGregor, and then more local artists, uh, Aaron, Aaron Meeks and Brian Robinson. So there are very different styles from sculpture, installation, printmaking, painting, but they all work around a theme. And I suppose it's about how they all work together that we look for as well. So you might have very detailed black and white lino cuts with uh, a fur installation by 
Carol McGregor. So it's an aesthetic that we try and pull together and a sort of an innate aesthetic that we look for. Do you put a call out to artists to, to come there? And yes. how, how does that work, that submission? So we put a call out. Uh, that happened in August last year. We received numerous applications and we reviewed those as Shannon, Brett and myself. We put it Queensland-wide, Queensland. so we wanted to focus on the Queensland artists. Mm. A number of artists have like national and international profiles that are included in the exhibition, so they are from Queensland but recognised for their work. What are you expecting uh, for the Cairns Indigenous Art Fair? Lots of sales? Yes, let's hope. I think this year it's quite different because there's a marketplace um, where people can go and see the work and then there's more of a curated exhibition. So at the marketplace you'll be able to purchase works um, and then the curated exhibitions that are being held there and at the other galleries around Cairns, I think they'll also be able to purchase works from them. You were saying before you have a sort of like a quality control when it comes to the art uh, that you curate. Do you always think that uh, this is going to be sold and that's one of the objectives that you do for the Cairns Indigenous Art Fair? I can't speak directly about the whole of Cairns Indigenous Art Fair, but when I'm selecting works for exhibitions, it's definitely not about can these works be sold. Mm. It is about an artistic quality that is benchmarked with national and international artists. So that's the quality that we look for. After Kick Arts and Cairns Indigenous Art Fair, what will you be doing? Well, in the lead up to that, I'm actually working on WOW, Women of the World Festival. Um, After that, uh, I'm actually curating a number of um, hospital art collections at the moment. So the Sunshine Coast University Hospital, where Bianca Beetson has a commission, one of the um, artists involved in the Kayaf exhibition. And then you're working on WOW, which is happening 19th to 21st of June, being the um, festival producer of that. So very much working on the logistics of that festival. Can you explain more about WOW, what what it is? WOW is a festival that's focusing on the, I suppose, the achievements of women. Uh, There's it's at QT. There's, it's a three-day program with panel sessions, a marketplace, practical workshops, all around, I suppose, women's issues, uh, really about acknowledging women's roles within society. There's um, a really, really, com- I think there's 80 or 90 speakers involved in the program oh, wow. mm. uh, that will be coming. There's Kathy Lett coming from the UK. Uh, we have Jane Turner uh, from Kevin Kim, uh, Jane Caro, uh, Hannah Poole, Kirsty Sword Gizmo. So, I mean, it's very, very diverse. And then we'll also have um, a practical workshop space where people can learn a new form of dance called Nia, uh, self learn self defense. There's this fantastic program called Speed Mentoring, so a bit like Speed Dating, where the speakers um, and people involved with WOW will mentor participants. Uh, that'll happen on the Friday and Saturday. And then there's another fantastic initiative, which is um, an under, fen- under 10 feminist corner. This year, there'll be 15 wows throughout the world, uh, New York through to Birmingham. Uh, it's very much about diversity as well. So it's trying to attract a whole range of, of women um, being involved. So from all different communities, uh, we've had a fantastic... Uh, response. We've got uh, some Fitzroy Crossing artists coming, artists um, and participants from uh, Papua New Guinea, Vanuatu. I think when people walk in, whether it's to Kayaf or to an exhibition or to a festival, the amount of work and all the logistics that go into making that event is, is incredible, like you know, months and years in the planning. 
Renee Grace, a curator for independent arts management. And if you want to know more about the WOW Festival, you can go to wowaustralia.com.au. That's wowaustralia.com.au. Coming up next, she's a world champion in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. I found out that I was sick with postnatal depression. It kind of took me a little while to get my head around it and I knew that I didn't want to do medication so I was trying to figure out a way to basically use exercise as a form of physical therapy to try and um, medicate myself basically. Speaking out. Culture. Culture, lifestyle, lifestyle, and current affairs. You're listening to Speaking Out on ABC Local Radio, Digital Radio, and Radio Australia. I'm Donald Johannesson. Thanks for joining us. It was only four years ago when our next guest had a grand dream to become a world champion in her chosen sport of Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. And it was only a few weeks ago Chantelle Thompson, also known as the Bakanji Warrior from Melbourne, realised her dreams as she competed in the International Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu Federation World Championships held in the United States. Chantelle is now a world champion, super heavy adult female blue belt and also took home a bronze in the open blue belt division. Speaking Out's Kerry Lee Harding was joined by Chantelle Thompson and first started off by explaining how taking up the sport of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and being a national wrestling champion had helped her overcome postnatal depression. So I had twins in 2000 and oh god 2009 I was pregnant with my twins and I found out that I was sick with postnatal depression when they were about 7 or 8 months old so it kind of took me a little while to get my head around it and I knew that I didn't want to do medication so I was trying to figure out a way to basically use exercise as a form of physical therapy to try and um, medicate myself basically to just survive. So I started training in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu because the gym and those kind of sports didn't really interest me. So I needed something to challenge myself more. And Jiu-Jitsu is like a physical and and a mental game of chess in that you improve, but there's always someone better than you. And it's the type of sport that you can work around your body type, your age, disabilities, or your capacity to train. So you train once a week, you can train every day. It becomes a lifestyle in that my life for me, my time on the mat reflects my life off the mat and my life off the mat reflects my life. So if I'm having a really crappy week on the mats, then I know that something's off or I'm not addressing something at home or in life. And it's the same in life. It's like, well, they they mirror each other. So if I'm having a good run in jiu-jitsu, it means that I'm being clear, I'm being purposeful and mindful of everything that I'm managing and I'm managing my load quite well. If I start to get frustrated and overloaded, then it, no, I know that I'm not addressing some sort of issue that's causing me, I'm avoiding something. So yeah, I started training in 2010 and I haven't stopped. Surprisingly, uh, we have a young girl uh, named Stevie who competed at the Commonwealth Games in wrestling and she's only 21. She also does judo and she's also an MMA fighter. So she's only young. So I've managed to link up with her and kind of leech onto her because I'm like, you're one that I need to know and start. I'm trying to build myself little networks of people that later on when I start working in the area I want to work on, I have 
a network of people that I can call upon to be mentors or role models for others. In our family, I have a niece, Kalina Bond, if you're listening from Sherberg, and uh, she's just finished school and wants to become a pro wrestler. So I'll be putting her in touch with you if that's all right, Chantel. Oh, 100%. 100%. (laughs) The more the better. It's important to have a safety net from which you can draw from or people that have got experience because... Jiu-Jitsu is a really good sport for women in the form of self-defense because a lot of the time if you get attacked or if you get into a fight or something like that, it usually ends up on the ground. So Jiu-Jitsu is actually originally um, designed for the smaller opponent to be able to beat the bigger opponent by using angles and leverage as opposed to just brute force and strength. And it works around your physical capacity. So because of the diversity of Jiu-Jitsu as a sport, you can actually build a game that's based for your body type. And I'm finding that wrestling is very similar, but it's more definitely, it's harder for me in that it's more ruthless. Like it's relentless is the right word. It doesn't, the intensity doesn't stop. Like you can't, you can't rest in wrestling and both opponents are trying to do the same thing, which is to get the takedown and pin the opponent. Whereas jujitsu, you can rest, you can be more strategic because the sport starts standing but then you use either judo or jiu-jitsu or wrestling to take the opponent down, or you can do what we pull, call is pull guard. So it's it's more complicated in the style and the strategy to it, but they both complement each other. You've been doing both of these sports now over the last five years. Do you think they'll come a time where you just concentrate more on one, either the Brazilian jiu-jitsu or the wrestling itself? I think that because now they both have implications for the future career pathway that I want to take, I'm now trying to simplify my life and actually just focus on jiu-jitsu will be my lifelong sport in that that's my retirement sport because you can compete in an age category and a weight category. So I can travel the world competing in this sport. Like I've got a teammate and she's a 40-year-old female, single mum of three boys. She only trains twice a week, but she does what she can and it's a lifestyle. So I think that for now, like jujitsu is my love, but wrestling's kind of become like a universe for me in that I just really love the idea of the challenge of it. There's not that much female representation in Australia. So I mean, the opportunity to, it's an Olympic sport, you've got the Commonwealth Games, there's world championships. And I mean, at 31 with three kids to, to start competing in it and going up against females that are younger or have been training in it longer I enjoy the idea of the challenge because jiu-jitsu I'm halfway through on the belt levels almost so that's something that I obviously I want to use that as a vehicle to work with disengaged youth and use it to empower others later on and I'll figure that out as I go but wrestling is something that I'd really like to focus on right here and now because it's it's not something that I see myself doing I see myself coaching in it later but competition-wise is probably a five-year five year plan. So I'm sitting here now with the national wrestling champion in the 75-kilo female freestyle category. Chantel, would you have thought, looking back five years ago, that you would have come this far and you'd be sitting here in a radio studio talking about being the Australian champion in your weight division? How deadly does that make you feel? I think that sometimes I need to actually stop and take stock of what of the things that I've accomplished since starting in in martial arts and starting this whole journey. I mean, 
five years ago when I first started, it was just a way for me to treat, it was my mental health plan. And then pretty much everything that I have now in the future direction I have has been from taking that first step into the gym in that day. But five years on to have trained in a sport for less than 12 months and actually compete at the national championships and become national wrestling champion and be like, okay, well, that's actually pretty deadly. Like to have, take the time to acknowledge what I've done and, and develop value myself enough to say, you know what, that's a pretty cool thing. You're also a mum of three beautiful children, twins in there as well. What do your children think of you becoming the Australian national wrestling champion in your weight division? What do they think of their mum? Well, without sounding, without trying to sound too egotistical, I think they're so used to mum winning that. I've got about, the whole time I've competed, I've literally only gone into two comps where I haven't medalled. And I've got about 100 medals sitting at home, but they're sitting in a shoebox. So I try and teach my kids that it's not about winning, it's about putting myself out there and trying. And But I also... People within my circle are so used to me winning that they're like, oh, so you won again. And I address the again because I'm, it doesn't devalue each accomplishment because of the prior ones that I've had. And I've worked my butt off to become, to get to the top of where I am. So on the day that I win on, I celebrate it, but then the next day it's back to work and whatnot. So I don't make a big deal about the medals, but I also do acknowledge to the kids, oh, mum, mum had a really deadly battle today against this, like this really hard, this really hard one. And like, every time they ask me if I win, I try not to, especially with the kids, like I try not to, I don't talk about the winning. I'm like, I had this really good battle where I learned this and I did this really well, but I've got to, I've got to go away and work on this. So it becomes about the constant improvement and having that growth mindset and the challenge of it and the heart that I put into it as opposed to the end result. So it becomes about the journey. Your wrestling name is the Barkindji Warrior. You're a Barkindji woman, of course. Tell us how this name came about. I've always kind of grown up scrapping and and whatnot because of being a fair-skinned Aboriginal and growing up in a small community, I was constantly, and I'm also the second eldest of 17, so I helped. I helped at home and whatnot. So I kind of grew up very quickly. So I was constantly running on the offensive because I was like, well, I'll, I'll protect myself by being in the offensive. And because I helped protect younger siblings and everything, I never really got the chance to just steadily grow into myself as a person. When I started doing the jiu-jitsu and stuff, it wasn't just about um, helping my postnatal depression, but it was also about redirecting negative energy because I can be quite an aggressive person. I have a very full-on personality. So jiu-jitsu and that is a way of me learning self-control, regu- self-regulation of my emotions and everything. Like, And that's what I say to some of the kids that I work with. I'm like, it's okay to be angry and it's it's okay to have these feelings and aggression and everything, but it's not okay to hurt yourself or others. You need to find a platform for yourself in which you can redirect this negative energy into. This is what works for me. It's not for everyone. So my auntie turned around and when I started competing and whatnot, she goes, you always were a fighter. You're like our Barkindji warrior because you've always stepped up and tried to protect and help others that weren't able to do it for themselves. And But I don't like doing things for people. I like helping them do things for themselves and become their own warriors. Chantelle Thompson, also known as the Bakanji Warrior in wrestling circles, is also now a world champion in her chosen sport of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Speaking out. Indigenous culture, lifestyle and current affairs. This week, the ABC's PM program team had a story from the Northern Territory. Mark Colvin has more. 
In a bid to tackle the high rates of domestic violence in the Northern Territory, an Indigenous men's advisory group is inviting domestic violence survivors to share their stories. More than 60% of assaults in the Territory are related to domestic violence. Indigenous women are most likely to be the victims. Domestic violence survivor Lani Brennan is in Darwin this week, sharing her story and calling for more action. Sarah Everingham reports from Darwin. For Lani Brennan, recounting her experience of domestic violence is difficult, but she's hoping it will prevent others from suffering in the same way. Yeah, family violence at the moment is at a, we're at a crisis, our country, and um, and I and I've heard about statistics up here in the Northern Territory, and I'm horrified. Lani Brennan is in Darwin to give an insight into the stories behind those numbers. She was invited by the Northern Territory government's Indigenous Men's Advisory Council, set up to provide advice on ways to tackle family violence and child abuse. Charlie King is the council chairman. We've had many discussions in a half a dozen meetings at the advisory group level talking about this issue, but we've never really had a victim stand before the men and say, this is what happens, fellas. And we we just thought it very uh, appropriate to have an Indigenous woman who'd suffered greatly and, and she was able to tell that story to the men. And I've never seen men affected like happened when she spoke to them. I mean, there was not a sound in the room and men were just like gobsmacked by what she was saying. I mean, it's, it's a story about that, but it's also a story of great resilience and celebration of this woman who's able to get past all of that and then stand strong at the end of it all and now be able to contribute to this discussion. Lani Brennan is from La Perouse in Sydney, where she says she grew up around alcohol abuse and began abusing alcohol and drugs herself by the time she was a teenager. I admit, you know, I was an alcoholic in the attic. I was very violent when I was drinking and drugging as well. I went and held myself from within and tried to find out who the real Lani was. And that's why I believe in change. You know, I changed my life and if I could do it, anyone can. Lani Brennan has written a book about her struggle and the abuse she suffered over several years in a violent relationship. I fell into a relationship with another alcoholic daddy and from a month into the relationship the abuse started. A lot of people look at family violence as physical or sexual abuse. You know it started with emotional abuse and mental abuse and then the um, first slap come and then all of a sudden you know I'm so sorry I'll never do it again. I love you. The same things that women and men you know hear every day and from there the violence escalated. Sexual assaults were hand in hand with the um, physical violence. You know, I found it a lot easier to disclose the physical abuse, but the sexual abuse is another is another ball game, you know, and um, they come a lot of shame and guilt, you know, with what happened to me. Lani Brennan's former partner was eventually sent to prison for more than 20 years, but she says it took police too long to act. Through all that abuse, I did go to the police. Um, I did do a statement, and it took them four years to go and arrest my ex-partner. I don't understand that. I still don't understand that today. Lani Brennan welcomes the national discussion about domestic violence. She hopes it will lead to better education to prevent family violence. She wants more help for victims and says domestic violence is a problem everyone must help address. Just a problem shared is a problem halved. Keep yarn and keep talking. You know, and I say to people, not even, you know, with a family member, just sitting there. You know, not even having to say anything, just sitting there, put your hand on them, you know, because that, that talks a million words as well.
Charlie King from the Indigenous Men's Advisory Council also welcomes the national debate and wants to see the words backed up with action. The discussion is the first bit, I think. That's what had to happen. We had to have a national discussion. We're having that, you know, we're heartened to hear uh, the Prime Minister come out and say things like, you know, we should all link up and we should all say no more to family violence. And the discussion is there. Now we need to get down to the nitty-gritty. The discussion's been good. The raising of the awareness has been good. Now's the time for the action, you know. Charlie King of the Northern Territory's Indigenous Men's Advisory Council ending that story. And thanks to PM's Mark Colvin and ABC reporter Sarah Everingham. That's it for another week. I'm Donald Johannesson and this has been Speaking Out on ABC Local Radio, Digital Radio and Radio Australia. Radio Australia.